Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Syrup Arcade Cast, Mobile Syrup and Syrup Arcade's gaming podcast. I'm your co-host, Dean Daly, and I'm here with the pod's other host, Brad Shankar. How are you today, Brad? Great, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm, yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> and we're also here with our special guest, Chris Brown. And no, not the singer, but our friend at Blue Ant Plus, who also reviews games for the site and edits our podcast. How are you today, bud? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here. This is an honor, both of you. I hope you know that. It's an honor to have you. I mean, you you do the occasional gaming thing for us, and it's always a, a real highlight. Um, you have such a fun writing style. I remember when you went, you did something really fun with uh, your motocross journey. That was a particular highlight. Uh, just a, a pretty weird game. You know, it was like, I think, was it Monster Energy Drink? Monster uh, Energy. <laughs> you know, most people would have probably just half-assed that review, but you, you know, you, you put a lot of fun into that. So uh, always a pleasure. I appreciate that. Look, Monster Energy Supercross, anybody out there who wants to try it, it is an okay game. <laughs> I love that description. All right, but we're not here to talk about Monster Energy Supercross. Our topic this week is the ever so long, because it felt like it took forever, uh, 2022 Game Awards and gaming in 2022 in general. Uh, so before we dive in, let's prefix how we kind of enjoyed the Game Awards. So Chris Brown just was there watching as a fan. Uh, I wrote the articles for Mobile Syrup and kind of noted all the trailers. And Brad Shankar, Shankar was actually at the award ceremony, which is super cool. Super, And I'm super jealous. It's kind of like the highlight of the events for the year, at least in my eyes. How were the awards? It was really good. I mean, I've had some people ask me, you know, uh, is it? Uh, what did you think of it, especially being there? You know, one person is even like, oh, maybe you're biased because you were actually there. And maybe that's part of it. But I do genuinely feel it was one of the better ones that uh, Jeff Keeley has put on. You know, uh, he's from Markham, Ontario. Uh, and yeah, he, he puts it on those on every year. I think this was the ninth show, uh, I believe. But yes. yeah, it's the best uh, the best one in the last few years, I would say, because some of the other ones have gone as you said, really long. This one still felt long, but it was actually a bit shorter, at least, um, to their credit. I just feel like, you know, obviously everyone's mileage will vary, but I feel like there was an overall pretty well-rounded lineup of games, uh, a lot of surprises, a lot more gameplay this year, which was nice to see. There was a lot less in the way of CG trailers because those very rarely do anything for me. It's just like, okay, this could be a game that's five, six, seven, eight years out, right? Just seeing a CG trailer. But there was a lot of gameplay, which was nice, so... Uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was really cool. He he did a good job of trying to add to like theatricality of it, which obviously is cool for people at home, but especially for people who were there like me. So, you know, there was like the God of War performance by Hosier, you know, the God, uh, Game Awards Orchestra, which they always do is really cool. Halsey did a performance. So a lot of really fun stuff like that. That's great. And Chris, from being back home in Toronto, how was it just as a viewer for you? I actually loved the awards this year. I'm in the camp of, yeah, absolutely. I agree with Brad. It was the strongest one in years. Uh, I didn't feel as a viewer it went super, super long. There have been other years where it was like three and a half hours and you're sitting there watching trailer after trailer after commercial after commercial and you're like, they don't even leave enough time for the awards. Whereas this year, I felt it was a good balance between reveal trailers. There were still some ads in there, of course, that they need to do those, but I felt that the content that was there was great. Uh, the only part that, you know, they maybe let it go a little bit long was one of the acceptance speeches, but it was a great speech anyways. So I was here for it. I love the awards. Yeah. What, what about you? I actually didn't mind the length of the acceptance speech. Uh, we're all talking about Christopher Judd and he, uh, his speech was long and it was very caring and like, was, 
I don't know, he really is passionate about it. So I didn't mind how long it was long. Well, obviously, uh, for context for readers, I have a a bit of an odd relationship with Christopher Judge because recently I wrote a piece on God of War and uh, he shared it on Twitter with like this uh, on like a Friday night with like five back to back tweets because I was basically writing about how the the game story about father and son really related to me. I have an estranged father, so that that game hit me pretty hard. Uh, And yeah, the narrative lead on the game shared it because I tweeted at him specifically and then chris saw that and shared that and yeah he went on a whole thing you know he's like oh thank you so much brad this is this touched my heart you know this is why we do what we do and uh you know he started talking about his own father and how he hadn't spoken to him in 14 years before he died so very and then he's like i apologize if i overshared but this really touched my heart and they had a little heart emoji so it was super nice uh and then so everyone was kind of rooting for me to meet him at the awards and i did actually uh i met him at the at the jw marriott after the show which was pretty pretty wild uh giant as you'd expect just a big teddy bear <laughs> very nice man uh very kind um shook his hand got a photo with him thanked him so that was really nice so yeah to your point yeah definitely a very passionate man um but i think that just added to the whole uh performance like because he won for best performance just to be clear no, that's the award he, that he got and he you know uh, oh yeah 100 and you know would what's especially cool is Al Pacino gave him that award. Like he was the one who was presenting, which no one, to be clear, everyone in the audience lost their minds. Cause I'm like, what the hell is Al Pacino doing here? Cause you know, you wouldn't, he even joked, he even admitted, you know, I'm not a gamer, you know, but uh, you know, having an acting legend like him give the award to Chris, I, I can understand why it was a whole emotional thing. And yeah, it did go a bit long, but you know, I prefer that to an ad or a CG trailer. So. Yeah, so it was. It, yeah, it was long. His speech was long, but I, again, like I don't think it was only his speech that caused it to be long. Uh, Chris's like it was three and a half hours long. He started at seven thirty, which was when the trailers <laughs> did start, and it ended at eleven. Um, but it was like as Brad's point, it had a lot of gameplay trailers, which for me is what made it worth the length like i was super tired so i mean if it was a normal day i wouldn't have been so like annoyed by it but uh like any other year i would have been super pumped to be watching it for that long because there was so many good trailers um which we'll talk about later but i want to start off with were there any winners of the game awards that you thought were weird like what stuck out to you uh for me stray went in best indie and i haven't played stray so uh i i can't say that it's bad or anything but it just seemed like a cat simulator walking around doing cat stuff whereas like i heard a lot of love for sifu and cult of the lamb and tunic and to hear that they lost to stray kind of felt weird to me uh brad do you have any thoughts on this yeah i mean it's one of those things where these kinds of shows are obviously usually a popularity contest so i just feel like stray the most people played it uh especially because it was part of playstation plus at launch and to that game's credit it, it had a, a a wide reaching appeal because of the whole the gameplay is pretty light so it's easy it's approachable for people who don't really play games very often and you know the game kind of blew up in popularity like cnn was covering it all these videos i think you wrote about one of cats watching cats in stray um I did write that, so yeah. I, I I feel like I'm not upset that it won because it definitely was like a standout game in this year. And if not, if for no other reason than just that it grabbed so many people's attention. But yeah, I personally wouldn't have given it. Uh, I, I do think there are a lot of better indie games. Like you mentioned some of them, Tunic, Stri- um, Sifu, uh, uh, other ones that I played. Neon White was amazing. Uh, Citizen Sleeper, also amazing. Th- th- I think those were up in some other categories, but... Uh, yeah, it was a really strong year for indies. So Stray winning it was a little, I guess, uh, too mainstream for lack of a better word for me personally. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there are better options, but I, I don't, I don't hold it against them either. I get it. Any weird winners for you? I think Games for Impact is a weird one, uh, and I know people have debated it because it's kind of like a consolation prize for indie developers. That's kind of what people view it as. You know, I'm I'm mixed on it. I, I do see that, but I also understand that it does give a spotlight to some games that probably wouldn't get awards otherwise. So, uh, but for me, as Dusk Falls winning that category was very weird because that game 
the whole games for impact thing is like oh it's a game that has like a strong social message or whatever but as dusk falls didn't really have a social message it was just kind of okay. like a a thriller basically the uh, like a quantic dream style pick yeah. choose your own adventure there wasn't really like a, a deeper meaning behind it that i could gather compared to some of the other games in that category so that was a little weird um but yeah i think overall the the winner seemed uh pretty reasonable i think we'll talk more about you know what took home some of the bigger awards but it was a pretty nice mix between uh between games i think anything for you chris anything that stood up it's so funny because i have the exact same category as brad where i was like the games for impact felt weird um as dusk falls super cool game i really liked the way that they were able to incorporate multiplayer into it i thought that was an innovative feature but when it comes to games for impact like i think about citizen sleeper and how that game hit me like a ton of bricks at points just from the writing the way that the mechanics tied into the storytelling itself. Like there were so many things that were happening in that game. And it's not like it was trying to tell this grandiose story with a big message, but it still had so many moments that felt like they were very human in a way that very few games have. So I would, I, I want to shout out that game as one that deserves a little bit of attention. Just to, sorry to cut in. I just, to give you context, because I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dean or anyone else I'm who's not, listening. No. Uh, very briefly, it's uh, a cyberpunk game. It's got a dice rolling mechanic, kind of like uh, Disco Elysium or other games like that. So that's kind of how the gameplay plays out. But it's a really interesting cyberpunk game because it's less about the the very obvious, oh, Corpo's bad sort of thing. It's very much about the humans who are sort of downtrodden by these corporations and like what does it mean to sort of live your everyday life in a cyberpunk world and uh so the story is ultimately very optimistic which i thought was very touching like you know how people find meaning in a world that is so bleak so i thought it was a very beautiful and poignant game and it has added resonance because the creator is non-binary and so if you look at the game as an allegory for a trans person you know sort of going through the daily because one of the key mechanics is getting medicine that will keep you alive right so there's a lot of like uh so from that alone, there's like a big social impact angle, but then just the larger sort of themes about, you know, life and unity and whatever. So beautiful game. It's on Game Pass. Uh, it's one of my favorites of the year. Uh, I definitely would have wanted that to win personally. I'm getting an Xbox this week, I think. So I, uh, and I just got <laughs> yeah, Game Pass Steve. Ultimate. So I, uh, nice. I'm looking forward to the different games I should be trying out. And that sounds like. Uh, and so it's only like interesting. six or seven or eight hours. Like it's a perfect length. Like that's the biggest thing that appealed to, uh, me uh, appealed to me. Honestly, just seeing the length that it wasn't just a super long game. And then yeah, it's incredible. Perfect. Okay. Um, was there anything that like you just really didn't want to win, or something you you really wanted to win and it didn't win? Like for me, oh. most. Ant- oh, sorry, I was that? just gonna say. No, to that point and related to the weird categories, the player's choice thing was ridiculous this year because I don't know if you saw Genshin Impact fans. Oh my like, God, yes. They used a bunch of bots to rig the system. And it's it's like, because, it, you know, one of my friends who went to the Game Awards with me, he contributes to the site, Andrew. He's a big Sonic fan. So obviously he was kind of pulling for Sonic because that was the only category that Sonic realistically would have won anything in. Because yeah, it, totally. it was snubbed for music, which is weird because Sonic music is traditionally very good. But anyways... Yeah, Genshin Impact won, which first of all, rigging the system with bots sucks in, in general. But also, I have I have a big issue with nominating games that didn't come out this year. Like Genshin Impact is a live service game from years ago. And people want to make the argument, oh, it got a big update to warrant it. That doesn't count. That's not a new game. So that annoys me, you know, that I a game agree. from years ago. It's like, uh, I think Fortnite was up for one of the players' choice. You know, Final Fantasy XIV as well. And I love Final Fantasy XIV, but stuff like that, right? That's not a but new game. Right? I think... Final Fantasy fourteen and Fortnite, I think that one was specifically ongoing games, right? So I think for that... No, but just... I uh, for, for, for um, Player's Choice, Fortnite was one of the nominees. Oh, well. okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. So again, it's one of those things where... Yeah, best ongoing game is a category, and that's great. I love that they yeah, have totally. that. But Me too. Yeah, yeah, I just feel like ongoing games shouldn't be up for Player's Choice. Like, you know, because then it's going to win every year then, right? Let's So we'll come back in 2023. Genshin Impact will win that too, right? Like, it just shouldn't even be an option, I don't think. But Which was, I was so upset when I they won that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, And Jeff was like, oh, we tried to cut out all the bots. And I'm like, there's no way it still won then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, well, and then the... The developer was like, 
trying to bribe people to vote for them too by like giving them in-game rewards and it's like it's yeah. just all very weird i'm like look i'll know. take my primo gems as somebody who plays genshin every three months <laughs> uh i will take my primo gems but yeah it was a weird category and a very weird way to do it they'll have to they'll have to think about it for next year and how they approach it for sure uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so, okay, I had a, I really wanted Hogwarts Legacy to win most anticipated game, um, and I, I was just so sad in my heart when Zelda won that one, um, and not because I thought Breath of the Wild was a bad game or anything, but I'm just so pumped for Hogwarts Legacy, and I just want so many people to be pumped as well, uh, so for most anticipated game, I was just kind of like, I'm disappointed. Um, That's a funny category, too, just because games get delayed so often. So I'm pretty sure Breath of the Wild 2, or as we now know, it's called Tears of the Kingdom. But that game is being delayed, and you know, it's taken, it'll be six years by the time it comes out since Breath of the Wild. I'm pretty sure that's been up for most anticipated since 2019 when it was revealed. So it's like, that's one most anticipated, like, four years in a row. I think Elden Ring might have won one of the years, but it's like... That that's kind of a weird category because it's going to be repeats often. <laughs> so, any big disappointments for you, Chris? I don't think there were any major disappointments on my behalf. Uh, but I would say the one that kind of stuck out to me as an odd one as a winner. And stick with me, Dean. I know, I know this isn't going to sit well with you. Elden Ring for role playing game. I thought that was a strange one. I'll kill you. Yeah, I know. I know. know. (laughs) That's why I said stick with me. Stick with me. I think that probably should have been in the action adventure category for me personally, just because when I think about the, the, the games that it was up against, they were all more traditional RPGs. You know, you had Xenoblade, you had, uh, I'm going to blank on all the games in these categories. Uh, But when I think about that game, I love Elden Ring. And I love almost everything about it. The weakest part of that game for me was the collection aspect and the grind that came with leveling up your character. And so when I think about the actual RPG mechanics associated with that game, it felt odd to be winning in that category specifically. And I get it. I I think that it is easily one of the best games of the year, as we will get into later. But for that category specifically, I would have loved some attention to be given to the other games uh, that were in that category. It's hard... It's for that. I feel like it's hard because what is an RPG game, right? It's it's totally I feel like Elden Ring does. F- for me, like I voted for Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I oh yeah, the... it... no. I was just gonna say it... the the lines between genres are so blurred. Yeah, to your point. Y- uh, yeah, you know, so many games have RPG elements now. Like Madden, even in a way, has like light RPG elements. You know, God of War has all this gear system, and you know leveling up stuff so yeah i, I get it um I, I think i would probably side more with chris personally but uh I see for me it, it fit in the rpg element like perfectly like i mm. i can't in my head I, I i in my head when i think rpg i think skyrim that sure, is yeah. my most rpg of rpg games i've ever played probably if i could think of right and i thought Elden ring was kind of like skyrim so in my head it made it sense like pokemon legends arceus was in that list as well and it's an rpg game as well but i i think when i think rpg i don't think pokemon games i think more of these elden ring type titles and i I, in my heart in my heart in my head every soulsborn game is kind of like other than sekiro is an is an rpg game so to me it made sense yeah no absolutely and you know what to that elden ring i think is probably the most tied to the rpg genre of any of the FromSoft games so far outside of maybe the armored core games because they have a whole bunch of customization mechanics and stuff like that but this one you can really build your character to be whoever you want there are so many different weapons so many different builds Uh, The way that you traverse the world and you kind of discover things allows you to kind of tailor them further and further and further as you go along. And because there is that grind, it's almost tapping into that JRPG system of, okay, if I just grind this one area a little bit more, I can go in over levels into the next area. So there totally is that. Uh, It's just interesting because, yeah, Brad, you brought up like God of War, for example. And I think about that and I'm like, wow, yeah, that's kind of become an RPG as well. You're 
collecting uh, resources to level up your armor so that you can invest more in your abilities and, and it kind of builds and builds and builds and builds. So everything now has RPG mechanics. We'll get into it later, but Elden Ring, uh, I, I can't fault it on any almost anything, Dean, and it's the same for God of War. So I guess my, my thing is, I just wish a few more games had the ability to stand up against these giants uh, outside of the indie categories because God of War and Elden Ring kind of swept the entire awards. And so this is the one category. <laughs> I'm looking at the best role-playing games right now, and surprisingly, they're almost all other than Elden Ring. I think Nintendo games, uh, Live a Live, Pokemon Live, Legends, Live yep. Arceus, uh, Triangle Strategy. Isn't that also available on the Switch? Oh, no. Yeah, it's a second-party game. Yeah. Okay. And then Xenoblade's Chronicles 3. So, which is, like, kind of interesting. Good for Nintendo. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, How about... PlayStation used to have a lot of those sort of JRPGs. Totally. Especially, like, the Square Enix ones. But other than, like, Final Fantasy, Nintendo's sort of been taking a lot of them lately, which is good for them. But yeah, it was a great year on Switch. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you, How about you, Brad? Anything that you thought should have uh not one and something else should have won instead it's uh it's interesting because you know we're talking about debating categories and everything uh you know games are so multifaceted and varied and the types of experience you can get are so drastic that like it you know when you look at something like best narrative because narrative is something that means a lot to me for games uh generally that's why something like elden ring doesn't resonate with me as much just because i prefer games that do have more of a traditional sort of story and, and characters kind of an emotional hook as it were but you know looking at best narrative it is interesting because like, i was happy god of war won but it's also like i I wish immortality got more love at the show uh that's a game that and again it's hard to compare because god of war is a more traditionally told story whereas uh uh immortality is an fmv game with live action uh scenes and it's very hard to compare the two. So I almost feel like, I don't know what the solution would be, but it would be nice to kind of give some recognition because that game was incredible as well. It did things that only a game could do. Um, and there's a whole like meta narrative to it. And even like performances too. Like, again, I was very happy that Chris judge won, but can you really compare his performance to the main character in uh, immortality uh, who was played by man engaged? She was fantastic. She's basically playing, three different characters in three different movies and then she's playing the real actress portraying them so she's basically playing four roles in the same game and they're live action so it's like it's kind of hard to compare that like not saying one is better or worse than the other they're just very different so it is something that's a little tricky with games whereas like in a movie a two-hour movie you know it is a little easier to compare performances in that sense uh so not really upset that immortality didn't win because, you know, obviously only, there could only be one winner, but it would be nice for more recognition for that game because it was great. I totally have never even heard of this game. And that was the only game on the best narrative that I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. And it's from the same uh, Bennett, uh, Brad Bennett, who works with us. You might have heard him talk about her story before. Uh, that was a, an FMV game that that was created by Sam Barlow. And he's since gone on to do... Um, uh, telling lies and then immortality is okay. his most recent game so uh yeah immortality is just an fmv game it's sort of like a detective story where you're basically trying to figure out what happened to this actress uh who starred in three films that were never released and then she went missing so you're trying to figure out what happened so you're like rewinding and fast forwarding and, and skipping through clips uh and it's a really brilliant sort of uh the, the the core mystery of what's trying happened to her is very interesting. All the movies are like really well made, and then there's like a deeper sort of thing that's going on that I, I won't dare spoil. Okay. Uh, but it's like once you find out what uh, start to realize what that is, it's kind of like a holy crap sort of moment like that I haven't had in a lot of games lately. So uh, and it's on Game Pass as well. Again, Game Pass is just so many games on Game Pass. I just got it. Super excited. Yeah. Just now waiting for the Xbox. <laughs> it's actually on uh, Immortality. Is actually on Netflix too, which is it's one of the Netflix games, oh, on mobile, really? which is really cool. Yeah, it's one. Of, it's a game that's better played with a controller because the controller kind of gives you vibra vibrational cues for when you're sort of near uh, something that's hidden in a clip. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, you could even play it on Netflix, which is super cool. Uh, just keep it on best narrative. I thought it was weird that Elder Ring was even on the list. 
Uh, for me, Elden Ring has a huge, rich narrative, but I've also am one of those people who will sit down and just listen to someone talk to me about Elden Ring and all the lore and stuff about that. It's not like really stuff that like you just I, I finished the game. Uh, it's not any like I could have like I don't I didn't know any like really the all the crazy lore and who was related to who and and so it's kind of odd for me that it's like even well, that's included. Kind of... Yeah, well, that's kind of to my point about how stories can be told in so many different ways in games. Yeah. Because Elden uh, from software's sort of narrative style is very much abstract, you know, reading item descriptions and a lot of like stuff like that, which is not a wrong way to tell a story. It's just a different way, which I think is really interesting. So, yeah, I actually I love the way that FromSoft tells their games. I mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend that I always know what's going on because I don't. But I I am definitely somebody who gets a lot from it. I think even the enemy design could be counted in their narrative. You know, narrative being no, totally, a broad yeah. term encapsulating you know, plot, characters, dialogue, all of that. And I think they're world class in that. So I, it is a little a little strange sometimes to see them in that category. But I think. Elden Ring is one of their best efforts in that so far, just because I think about moments where you would go down into a cave and find someone like trapped on a wall in there and deciding what to do was such a difficult decision for me. It probably would mean nothing in the long run if it wasn't tying into something that would happen later down the line. And to me, that speaks to the strength of the writing of the character when you meet them, when you walk in that door and how aggressive they are and that payoff later if you don't do anything in that situation so there are small things that i think add up to create a great narrative in the game yeah yeah I, that's very true Elden ring does have that and i've, I've like i said I've listened to a lot of people talk about uh there's this guy on youtube vati video who will just just speak in a british accent and tell you all the glorious things about this game and but it's it, again it's it, it just feels like a such a out there type of storytelling but anyways, sure. let's move past this. And I'm so shocked, Brad, that you didn't say the the big winner. I, I really expected you to just be like, no, Elden Ring shouldn't have won Game of the Year. It should have been God of War. I thought uh, I thought you were gonna bring it up later. Uh, look at looking at the pod notes, so I, I didn't touch on it. But uh, no, this is this was your moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'll I'll just say it's one of those things where. I can totally respect and understand the decision, even if it's not my personal pick. Uh, you know, I mean, who could who could argue that Elden Ring didn't deserve Game of the Year, right? Like, it's one of those things where when you look at what game, and, and you've seen this on a lot of websites that have also crowned Elden Ring Game of the Year. It's like, what game sort of represented the, the whole year and sort of encapsulated the year? And yeah, that was Elden Ring. I mean, the for a game... Because, you know, people have long been saying that, you know, from games are niche. And obviously that's not true at all, especially with uh, Elden Ring. I mean, that game blew up. That game topped Call of Duty at one right. point in the, in the charts, which is hard to fathom, right? And I think, you know, as as we play more and more games and a lot of them become very handholdy, and like even as much as I love God of War, one of my few criticisms for it was you're trying to solve a puzzle and your NPC companion will spell out the solution for you within like five seconds. And it's like... It's so annoying because, and that's a great accessibility tool. You know, as someone who's written a lot about accessibility, I'm not upset that that's in the game. There just should be an option to turn it off because, uh, so if someone who needs that um, for whatever disability they have, they can have that if that's there, perfect. But for me, you know, for other people, I just want to turn that off because it was very annoying because I really liked the puzzles in God of War otherwise. Some of them were were pretty clever. Uh, But so to that point, you know, Elden Ring sort of not holding your hands and and kind of encouraging exploration and, you know, removing a lot of the sort of typical uh, open world bloat that we've seen with, oh, here's 500 icons on your mini map. You know, that's something a lot of Ubisoft games kind of fall prey to. Someone even did a funny meme where it's like, this is what Elden Ring would look like if Ubisoft made it. And I, it was I saw that. The, yeah, most, totally the, most, that the most cluttered UI you've ever seen. So <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think there's a there's a lot to to credit Elden Ring with that for. So Chris, you're not in our Slack, but as soon as Elden Ring won, Brad was like, "F Elden Ring." <laughs> I, I said that as a joke, but yeah, like I mean, I, I get it. Uh, I, I you've got to stand up for what you love, Brad. Don't be shy about this one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, especially because I was so public about how much God of War Ragnarok resonated with me. And, uh, you know, I've, I've written quite extensively about that game at this point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, personally, obviously, I would have gone for God of War Ragnarok. But also, you know, the original God of War, the 2018 one, that one, Game of the Year that year. Uh, so, you know, nothing against nothing against Elden Ring. I actually, uh, so I got my article ready for Game of the Year before, I, so, I, so I could just press publish. But I was ready for God of War to win. So that uh, that threw me off. I was like, oh, snap, let me just re- erase some of these parts and fill in Elden Ring and stuff. I just totally thought God of War was going to win. Uh, I had made it up in my mind. Especially partway through, because God of War, I think, won the most. It won more than... It was nominated the most, too. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, but in most of the the categories that it shared with Elden Ring, God of War had won. So I was just like, oh, this is gonna be its year. Um, so my totally... bigger, my bigger issue was, and you know, as I said, these and you know, these shows often obviously are a popularity contest. So I mean, my issue was more some of the other Game of the Year nominees. Like again, we talked about Stray. I don't personally think that should have been up for Game of the Year. That's kind of silly. That was yeah. like the big outlier, and you know, I. I really like the Plague Tale, but I also uh, there's a, so many more indie games that I think deserved being up there more than that game. Uh, you know, very happy for Xenoblade. I know Chris loved that game. I was very happy to see Xenoblade in that category. I think that was well deserved. So, though that and Elden Ring uh, and God of War, those three made sense, but the other three were a little weird <laughs> to me. So, all right. So, Chris, you've played both Elden Ring and God of War. You haven't finished God of War, so we won't say any spoilers to that. But you have finished the, I assume the story at least of Elden Ring. Yeah. Uh, we'll see your thoughts. Uh, someone who's played them both. Um, I mean, I've played them both too. But let's hear your thoughts uh, on. Um, so have I. I played yeah. them both as well. I mean, like, how far did you get Elden Ring, though? No, I played like fifteen hours. <laughs> oh, of Elden Ring. Yeah. Oh, my bad. I totally thought you you're like two hours in and we're like, no, nah, screw this game. No, I played a good chunk of I, I mean I played enough to I oh. just fell off of it and never went back. But. No, totally. That's completely yeah. fair. Oh, I had no clue. My bad. Eld- my, my Elder bad. Ring, sorry, just seeing that it's like eighty to ninety hours to finish uh put me off. <laughs> that's the biggest yeah, reason why I didn't go back yet. I I, I don't know if actually... any game needs to be that long, but that's just me personally. I think they actually finished the, the main story. It doesn't take that long. I can't remember. But anyways, please, Chris. Yeah, Chris, <laughs> share some thoughts. Do you think it's deserving of its this title? Do you Did you want Elden Ring to win? It's a good question. It's a very good question. Back in 2018 when God of War came out, that was far and away the, the game that I wanted to win Game of the Year that year. Like It was up against, I believe, Red Dead Redemption 2 that mm-hmm. year. Uh, another... Spider-Man. And Spider, oh, I love Spider Man. I forgot about Spider Man. That was the same year. <laughs> the The conversation I feel like was very much between God of War and and Red Dead for like the big award. Though I thought God of War twenty eighteen was such a unique experience. It completely rebooted that franchise, took a character that nobody cared about, and made him this empathetic character that you wanted to see change. It was something that had never really happened in video games before. And I think God of War Ragnarok is honestly just better in almost every way. They managed to ramp up the narrative and make it hit on a a level that I did not expect, especially in the first few hours. I was like, oh, it's more God of War 2018. And then as you get further and further into the narrative, they start throwing more twists and turns and really reaching into the past and tugging at those heartstrings. Where Elden Ring really surprised me is it has now surpassed Breath of the Wild for me in terms of open world design. What was so unique about Breath of the Wild was what they called open air design. The idea that you wouldn't Mm. need to have things on your mini-map saying, go here, go here. It was all about natural discovery. Everything felt organic. And where Breath of the Wild rewarded you with puzzles that over time you would get to know and you would just easily solve them and you know weapons that would break and not really mean anything elden ring managed to reward you with something you would never expect every time you would go into a dungeon and you think you'd get a chest and instead you'd be fighting this mini boss or you'd get this weapon that completely changes how you see the game or a spell or something like that and constantly i was surprised and just 
looking forward to every new corner that I turned. And so you have on one hand, this amazing narrative, and on the other, this really innovative experience that has changed how I see open worlds. And so it becomes that question of innovation or iteration. And unfortunately, Brad, I'm somebody who will always choose innovation. Uh, Elden Ring for me is the game of the war year just because there's nothing like Elden Ring. Like there, there's nothing else like it out there. And Miyazaki has really, really come to define not only this year, but I think the last generation with Demon Souls into Dark Souls, that has become a meme. And no longer to me is a meme. Elden Ring is the game that changed it from being Dark Souls is hard to Dark Souls can do everything. Like it, it nails a story, it nails the combat, it, it for an accessibility, it's a difficult game, but even for someone like me who unfortunately can't play a lot of these games because of motion sickness uh, with lock-on mechanics, they managed to figure out a way around it so you don't have to use lock-on. Like they've, they managed to pull off so much with this game to the point where I'm like, yes, Elden Ring absolutely deserves it. Well, and to your point, I'll just add on, you know, one thing, the, the thing that I loved about Elden Ring the most is, you know, you're saying how Dark Souls can be so much now, how it took the Dark Souls formula and... It, the biggest thing that it did for me was the fact that, you know, you can just go elsewhere. Like, if you're stuck on a boss, you can just fight a different one. You can go somewhere else. You know, the biggest thing for me with other games, other From games, where they are kind of linear for the most part, you have to fight stuck. one th yeah. this boss and this boss. You're stuck, right? Like, you can try to call in someone to help you out. Um, but especially if you're playing a game years later, you might not find somebody kind of thing uh but i, I like that what i liked about elden ring was that yeah you could really just go somewhere else and like yeah i i was kind of mainlining it for the most part while i was playing it but then i had a friend who you know was 20 30 hours more into it than me and hadn't even fought like half the bosses i'd fought so like i, I just find that really interesting and that it does kind of add into that water cooler sort of oh you know i did this in elden ring last night and i did that and you know no two people are gonna have the same experience Whereas obviously something like God of War, which is a little more linear and scripted, uh, you are going to relatively have the same experience. So yeah, I, I do always admire that about games like Elden Ring. No, I have the same thought process. I think for me, Elden Ring is deserving of that title, Game of the Year. Uh, I think back in 2018, God of War was deserving of Game of the Year, but Spider-Man I, I touched me more, but I definitely thought I I wanted God of War to win because it was such, it was such a good game for me. Uh, but yeah, this year it's it's had to, for me it had to have been Elden Ring, and even though I didn't think it was going to win, I uh, that's what I wanted to win the most. Um, and yeah, it's it's everything you guys just said. The whole different experiences, and I played the beta or the pre launch version hmm. of Elden Ring. Yeah. Um and even that had different experiences as well in terms of I was going through parts of the game and I had already gone through them before and then when but as playing the actual game I went I opened this chest and I, I had to remember what what was in the chest originally but now it teleported you somewhere else. <laughs> And I remember just being so annoyed because I wasn't ready to be teleported. I was just it's like, like smoke comes billowing out and you're like, wait a second, what's going on here? Yeah. Next, you're over in one of the most difficult areas on you're, the map. And, yeah, you're just in a completely difficult area. And I just remember being so upset and annoyed and not sure how to get back to where I needed to. And uh, it happened twice. And I can't believe it happened twice to me, but it that was Elden Ring. It was a lot of mystery and uncovering new things and uh, and that water cooler talk of just i fought this boss i got and my friends not having fought this boss or having seen these weapons or or these cool enemy types and of like god of war's story is just so compelling and so great but it it was to me it was always still god of war and i played yeah it definitely didn't war. leave you with trust issues in the same way that elden ring did yeah yeah elden ring is just a 
yeah, this is different. Yeah, that sense of discovery really can't be understated. Because I'll just, I was going to mention earlier and I forgot, you know, one of the games that I was really looking forward to this year was Ghostwire Tokyo. Mm. And I played that and I reviewed it. And overall, it was okay, but it was pretty disappointing to me because, and a big reason for that was because the open world was so basic. Like, it, it wasn't really an open world in this. It was more, I guess, connected areas that you sort of unlock over time. Yeah, I remember. But it was very, like, last-gen, two-gens-ago sort of Ubisoft-style open-world design. And the whole time it was killing me because it's like the setting was so cool, this, like, supernatural-infested Tokyo. But the whole time the game was kind of fighting against me. Like, I couldn't really just explore it at my leisure. I had to, like, oh, climb this tower and clear out this fog or whatever. And it just felt so trite. Like, I, I wish it had the sort of Elden Ring ethos where it's like, okay, we're going to be less handholdy. We're going to be less guided. Just explore supernatural Tokyo. Right. And I feel like that game would have been so much better because of it. I um, honestly couldn't so to play your that point, game. Uh, I, I tried. Why, spooky? No, I just got bored. Oh. I got so bored. Yeah, the, and it, the gameplay was out... also pretty basic too. Yeah. yeah which and is, it came out so about. close to Elden Ring because it came out in February, I believe. Right. Yeah. So it was just like, ugh, I don't want to play this. I want to go back to Elden Ring. That that was the exact problem that I ran into, funnily enough, with Horizon. I feel like this happened in Hor- with Horizon and Breath of the Wild back in the 2017. First time, yeah. yeah. And then it happened yep. again this yep. year where... <laughs> yeah, totally. Elden Ring came out, and then I go to Horizon, and I'm stuck, and I can't climb the things I want to climb. I can't go where I want to go. Everything's on a mini-map, and I was so frustrated. It's a It's a very good game, but it felt so limiting in its uh-huh. design where I, I found myself very locked into the path they wanted me to go despite it being an open, wor- open world. The one game that I do want to shout out because, Brad, you touched on this earlier, you know that I love it. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is another open world game that just deserves some love because it's my personal game of the year. It's, it's an open world design on a scale that even Elden Ring can't touch. That's not to say it's a better open world. It's not. Okay. I'm not going to put that out there. Uh, it's also you, designed exclusively for the Switch, to be it, fair. It is. <laughs> so. And I'm sure Monolith Soft are dying to get better hardware at yeah. some point. These, these I mean, are... I'll just say the, the fact that you've seen side-by-side comparisons of that game and Pokemon, and it looks Ooh, so much better because not... Game, Freak, so much better. Game Freak is lazy and doesn't improve their stuff and gets complacent. But the Monolith Soft, they are the Chads. They got it working. Good for them. Well, let's not it. talk about Pokemon. There was a reason why <laughs> not it was nominated. There was why it wasn't nominated the Game Awards at all. Uh, it was just let's not talk about that. Let's talk about Pokemon Legends Arceus. That was a good. One. That was a good. But anyways, that was okay. Please continue, Chris. Sorry. I no, just I just I, I just wanted to say that Xenoblade is well worth taking a look at because it it. To me, in a, in a weird way, it's it's a blend of a little bit of Elden Ring, a little bit of God of War. Much in the way that God of War's story really resonated with you on a personal level, that was Xenoblade for me. It deals with very, very heavy themes uh, in a more, I would say, Japanese story structure. Uh, so you are going to run into a lot of uh, sort of tropes and cliches, but they they work very effectively to tell that story. And the way that you discover stuff in the open world, there are... You can mainline the story, I think, fairly quickly. I mean, fairly quickly in JRPG land being like 60 40 hours. hours? Oh, 60. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you want to do even half of the content, you're looking at 80 to 100. And I think I put in about 150 by the end of the year because the side content, the post-game content is so, so good. And it will just add more to the characters. There are about four characters that I didn't discover until I'd already beaten the game. Uh, who are amazing party members. And so that same sense of discovery is there. Really, really strong writing, uh, visual design and stuff. But because it's trapped on the Switch, uh, and because it does require some grinding, it's not going to be for everybody. But for those people who are into JRPGs, really grand scale stories, and uh, just unique experiences, definitely check out Xenoblade, because it's worth a look. Yeah, honestly, you're, because I'm a huge JRPG fan, you know, uh, that's my favorite genre you know my favorite game is final fantasy 7 and i love persona and uh, so many jrpgs so honestly your review sold me on xenoblade the only reason i haven't bought it is just because i know it's going to be a huge time sink i'm like i just haven't had the time for it especially with all the end of year stuff i wanted to play other games and and everything so when i do my favorite games of the year lists probably in about a week or so i'm gonna have a big asterisk you know with games that i never got around to but would really much like to in xenoblade 100 percent. everything you're saying is 
it speaks to me. Like I, I definitely want to play that game. All right, so let's let's quickly move on to our the the reason why I watch Game Awards typically is to see who wins the Game of the Year and is to watch all the badass trailers. What are some of your favorite trailers from this year's event? Um, this it was really cool because almost I think almost everything was in twenty like trailers for twenty twenty three. I think there was one game that was like. Oh, there was a few games, if no, uh, no release dates at all. I think one game specifically is 2024. Uh, oh, uh, that game, a Canadian game is 2024. Uh, from Earthblade. Earthblade, yes, Earthblade was 2024. Yeah. But for the most part, it was 2023 games. What were some of your favorite trailers? Uh, do you want to go first, Chris? No, you go right for oh, it. Sure. I mean, Earthblade, I was going to mention that, actually. Yeah, it's the new game from the Celeste developers up yes. in Vancouver. Extremely okay games, and that's really exciting. Uh, a new game from that studio. Uh, that's Earthblade. Yeah, 2024, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it was very interesting to finally see Ken Levine's new game, Judas. Uh, he's the creator of Bioshock. He's been working on... Bioshock Infinite came out in 2013, so it, we're almost 10 years out from that game, and this is the first time we've actually heard what his next game is, because he's kind of talked about it. And, you know, I know there's kind of been a whole revisionist history sort of thing with the Bioshock games, especially Infinite. A lot of people like to hate on them now. You know, some of that is because of the, the politics of the game. I, You know, to each their own, I still really like those games. Uh, I... I think it's they're different, at least, especially from a lot of the AAA stuff. I'm always appreciative of someone who has a vision and, and a unique vision and and does uh, and is able to kind of execute on that. So I'm very curious by Judas to see what it is. I mean, it just looks like another kind of weird, high concept sort of Bioshock thing. So I'm all here for that. Um, obviously, I just mentioned Final Fantasy is my favorite series. So seeing the, the new trailer and release date for Final Fantasy 16, yes. that game looks incredible. Uh, I think one of the reasons I love Final Fantasy is because it always reinvents itself. And I think this game being a sort of narrative and setting inspiration from like the Final Fantasy 14 games, which are kind of dark uh, fantasy, but also the combat is like Devil May Cry. Like it's literally the Devil May Cry 5 lead combat designer is doing this combat. So you have the story from the Final Fantasy 14 team and the combat from Devil May Cry. That's all you need, really. Like that's incredible. So I'm. This is easily my anticip most anticipated game of next year, and it's coming out in June. Uh, and then I guess the other one was Hades too. That was a huge surprise. Uh, oh, I was not so expecting excited. when we saw the art style. I'm like, okay, this is definitely Hades, but I'm like, is this just like an expansion or like a crossover with something else? I'm like, what is this? But then I was Hades too. I'm like, oh, that's good because Hades is the only roguelike that I've ever liked. <laughs> honestly, um, it, it, the way it, it approached such a good that. Story. Yeah, well, and the way it approached it, it was a lot more. It was a lot more approachable, and it just didn't feel tedious. Because the biggest reason why I don't generally like roguelikes is I just don't like doing the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, personally, so yeah, the way Hades handled it was brilliant, and I can't wait for Hades too. It's gonna be so good. Chris, wanna go next? Absolutely. I just wanted to make sure we didn't have any crossover, and we did not. I, I figured on this first one, no one else would be really excited about this, but as the biggest and possibly only Death Stranding fan in the world, <laughs> I was There's extremely... a lot of people who like that game. I'm, I'm glad, because when this game came out in 2019, I raved about it to everyone oh, and anyone God. who would listen. And I was, I was, you know, out there on the mountaintop screaming about how Kojima was a genius and that I felt this game on a spiritual level... Uh, Genuinely, I, I think it's a, a brilliant game, but I realized it's a very niche audience who who are into it. But when I saw this, I was like, I have no idea what's happening on screen right now, but I am so into this. Yeah, we usually see eye to eye with games. That's the one that will respectfully disagree. I gave it. A, I I didn't actually finish it in my review, and I, that's how I framed my review. I it didn't vibe with me at all. I really didn't enjoy it. But you know, to what I, my point, what I just said, I love the people. I love it when games have unique visions, and so many games can feel samey and. I respect the hell out of Death Stranding. It didn't work for me, but I love that it was Kojima's vision and he got to to do it. And now he's getting to come back and, you know, expand on that vision. So yeah, uh, 100%, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm so curious where this will go because I, I, most of the people that I've spoken to who have tried it had a very similar experience to you where they they kind of bounced off of it. Once they realized that the mechanics really are just walking and the narrative is a mess until you're like two thirds of the way through the game, uh, it's not for a lot of people. And so I wonder how he's going to adapt the experience to 
win new old players over again because I, I just can't see it working two times in a row where the mystery of it is enough to pull people in and the Kojima name. But for those people who are really into it, like myself, mystery into itself, I, I don't know. Like it was it was just something that's so uniquely connected to me. I, I could not be more excited about this game. Uh, but the other one that really, really stood out to me, the, the, the game that I have had my eye on since E3 2021 is Replaced. Mm. Replaced mm. is a 2D pixel game yeah. that is kind of in the 2D, 3D style of like a triangle strategy, uh, but it's it's even more cinematic. It's it's this cyberpunk neo-noir thriller uh, with really intense looking combat, a fascinating world, and I cannot wait to explore it. It's It's Blade Runner meets triangle strategy, and I could not ask for anything more than that. Uh, it just looks visually brilliant uh no idea what the story will be like but if they can deliver on even a little bit of what i felt watching the trailer i'm 100 percent in so day one purchase for sure i've never even seen blade water runner um I highly recommend you can even start with 2049 blade. you will you will have your mind yeah, blown yeah, it's one of those seminal that. pictures i know i know but also <laughs> coming to game pass on day one so replaced yes. another one that you're gonna gonna pick up just a few quick shout-outs from me as well. Uh, Final Fantasy 16, Brad, I'm right there with you. I could not be more excited about that. This is this is what Final Fantasy 15 should have been. It's, yes. it's a marriage of the best teams. Like, Creative Division yes. 3 working on this? Let's go! Uh, yes. But Yeah, I'm someone who did not like Final Fantasy 15 much. And so I liked I'm, Final, I'm Fantasy, Final Fantasy 15. I thought it was such a fun game. I fell uh, right in the middle. I was like, I love this driving around and camping, but where's the story? Uh, <laughs> see all of the DLCs and an anime and a movie and a book. That's how you get the story. The I did anime like the anime. The movie was good. Hey, give give me those boys driving around. Why wasn't this in the boys love category? That's my only complaint. Uh, but uh, continuing on, I also just want to shout out Baldur's Gate 3. I, I had really hoped to play that this year. It can take as long as it wants. That game can wait. Uh, Divinity Original Sin is brilliant from that same studio. Baldur's Gate mm. 1 and 2 are the games that I grew up with. They were probably my first ever RPGs because my dad played them. This this is going to be probably after Tears of the Kingdom, Zelda. Uh, it's going to be probably the highest scoring game of the year would be my guess. So keep your eyes out for it if you are not. But yeah, I thought it was another great trailer. Dean, though. Star Wars Jedi. I can't wait. I really liked the first one of uh, Fallen Order. I thought it was super fun. Uh, and the, the gameplay trailer for the Star Wars Survivor uh, was... It looked so cool. I I can't wait to play Cal, as Cal Castus again. Um, I have, I've had like a huge crush on Cameron Monaghan since I was like 17 because he played the guy on Shameless and I, I loved Shameless and just i know like playing someone that i had a crush on was is kind of weird but i mean hey it, i had so much fun the first time in follow how order good does just, he look in this one too he he's got so the stubble the stubble oh my <laughs> gosh my friends and i were going crazy brad sent me a picture because he was at the event and i was just like showing my friends and i was like this is so cool so i'm so excited <laughs> to play it um the i just love look the new powers look really cool too. Like he does like the Kylo Ren stop the, the blaster yeah. bolt and, and freeze it in midair. And I think there was one time when he like uses a, a stormtrooper as like a meat yeah, shield. Yeah. He uses a meat like, shield. His, it looks his, great. He has the Kylo Ren, like, uh, like lightsaber blade thing where it's like, a the, the third one. Yeah. He is the, like blade. I genuinely, yeah, this is high up on my list, too, because uh, the first one, I really liked it, but uh, yeah, it did have uh, a fair number of flaws across the board, and I, I think no, this is totally definitely, did. it's definitely a game that, if the sequel's done right, it could be like a Assassin's Creed 1 to 2, or Uncharted yeah. 1 to yeah, 2 sort of evolution, yeah, like, totally. if this, if they succeed, like, this could be one of the great sequels, at least of the last several years, I'm just, so, I just I'm, can't I'm really excited, and he looks <laughs> so good and he's had such a big influence on my life so uh i, I just and march I, I just, that's soon <laughs> Three yeah months. super soon uh i was kind of shocked to see it was it was march uh we have i kind of like that that they went like they went kind of dark on it 
you know, they didn't talk about it for a while. And then when they're ready to show it, they reveal it. Kind of like the Fallout 4 thing that they did. You know, they reveal it and then it's out within six months. That's, I like that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I can't wait. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of a Soulsborne too, the way it plays. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's my I'm a, I'm a like uh, I don't want to use that word, but I'm, I'm I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm also Lords of the Fallen too. Look, uh, didn't see much of it, but it's another Soulsborne. So you know, I'm a fan of that. Remnant two, again. Same thing. I, I had a lot of fun right. it from the Ashes, the original one. Uh, yeah. So I will be having a lot of fun with that game. As Brad already said, Hades. I loved Hades 1. I, I, dang, I haven't finished it. But I uh, <laughs> I got two Hades. But, you know, the the god of the underworld is very hard to beat. So I haven't He's beaten him. He's a tough him. guy. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> beaten him yet. Uh, and there's this game called Banisher's Ghost of New Eden. And I thought that looked cool. It had some cool gameplay at the very end of its trailer. And yeah, those were probably the most ones I was hyped about, but definitely Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Uh, next month, we'll have our a, uh, games of the what games are we excited for this year type of thing. And this year, uh, in this chat, I wanted to exclusively just talk about what was at the Game Awards. But Definitely, I'm going to bring that back up again next month because each, every month until we get there, I'm going to just get more and more excited. Yeah, that was it. So, guys, this is pretty much the end of this podcast, but we got to ask the most important question. Favorite game of the year, Chris, right now, go. Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Okay. Brad, go. God of War Ragnarok. And I'm gonna say God of War Ragnarok too. I think, I think it. I think it, it, it's my personal favorite game. I think. I think. I think. But that, you voted for Elden Ring. Yeah, I think it was more deserving of Game of the Year. But uh, I games that make me cry or tear up mean a lot to me because I it doesn't happen often. It happened with Miles Morales. And now this, I think, I can't. Yeah, think that's of the, anything that's the biggest else. reason why I don't connect with from games on the same level. Just because I personally prefer having a character story to to invest myself in. Like, so yeah, that's that's yeah. why God of War is my favorite. So I hear you. Yeah, I totally uh, yeah, I wrote I wrote very extensively about how that game hit me emotionally. So I'm with you on that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally love Elden Ring, but I mean, I, it, I it's something can make me cry, which is, uh, and I, I definitely teared up in the middle of that game. There's parts where it's just like, oh my gosh, my heart. And I, 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 I uh, anyways, that was, I think I, I, I'd say if I had to like quantify it with like, like actual numbers, I'd, I'd, in my heart, I'd give uh, a 50, Five percent to God of War and forty five percent to Elden Ring, but it's still that game. Just so much emotions, and it was so fun too. Uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say that. Yeah, and I think that's it for today. Any anything you guys want to bring up quick before we go, or this has been awesome. Thank you guys for having me on. This this is you know not at often do I get to talk in my job about video games so uh just being able to chat with you guys about the game awards and what's coming next year it just has me so excited starting in february games start dropping next year and it's just non-stop i'm so excited uh chris will be on our next podcast too so if you enjoy him uh that's great if you don't let us know so that we don't invite him back um chris where can people find you if they want to bother you about I don't know, like games or life or. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not on social media, but you can talk to us down in the YouTube comments. Let me know what you did not like in my takes and I will respond to you there. How about that? I'm excited to be on the mobile serve channel more next year. So it'll be great. That's great. Okay. (laughs) And you can find me on Twitter at the Daily Dean and me on Instagram at my Daily Dose and Brad where people can find you. And read your most recent uh, stories. 
Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Brad Shankar, B-R-A-D-S-H-A-N-K-A-R. I'll just do a quick plug since you mentioned uh, recent stories. And Chris, you, you were talking about, uh, you're both talking about games starting in February. January actually has the Dead Space remake, which I'm looking forward to. That's from right. a Canadian team, EA Motive in Montreal. And the other January game is Forspoken. I actually just did a preview on that. Oh, yeah. uh, one of the cool things I got to do while I was in California was visit Square Enix, which was honestly kind of a, a dream come true as someone who grew up playing their games to actually be at their studio for work was awesome. Uh, so yeah, I have a preview on that game. But overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of hate on that game, and there's some things I'm still mixed about, but uh, the gameplay is really fun. I feel like the magic powers in that game are sort of what Ghostwire Tokyo wanted to be. Like, you actually have a lot more freedom in how you use the powers, and they're just a lot cooler. So that's probably the most recent thing that I've done because I've been off otherwise. But yeah, that's on the site right now, and that's definitely the first game that I'm looking forward to next year. Cool. And as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at mobilesyrup. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.